Hi, and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, where we team up and introduce the crazy stories that we've been binging on our own and uh, present it to you like you're in the room with us. Even though we don't even know that you're there, we're truly just doing this for our own edification. I'm your host, Teresa, and the other host is... Angie! Welcome. We're here to subject you to our fun. You're going to like it. Dang it. Or you're you're just going to leave, and that's fine. Goodbye. But, but, uh, all right, they're gone. All right. So now that that it's just (laughs) us. Now that those that didn't want to be involved have left the room. Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) Pretty much. So what have you been up to? Mm. Well, we have snow. Um, That's exciting. I'm concerned about it because um, I'm supposed to take Ethan to the fairgrounds where they are hosting a yearly auction for one of the local schools. Outside? It's well, the auction is inside. Um, but I did not realize how busy his day was today and, and how ubery I have to be. So I'm hoping that by the time he needs to be places, it will be a little bit less slick. Okay. So yeah, there's, it's fun. We're fun. It's fun. (laughs) I mean, you say that and like, so in the lower left of my screen, it has like a little weather set up you know where it tells you the yeah, yeah, yeah. ideal and right now it says 15 degrees mostly cloudy and i'm like i came to this area because it didn't do that yeah um kidding it does <laughs> yeah and i'm like mm, that's that's fun that's you know what okay i feel so bad because we so ian's one like one of his oldest and dearest friends moved back to australia um brian and raquel you've met yeah them the other day. oh yeah, yeah. Okay. so shortly before they left australia Raquel calls me and she's like, hey, what's the weather, like the winter weather like? Because obviously not, here and not in Australia. Right. Because okay. their shipping pod is not was not going to arrive until like October. So she's like, I just want to make sure that we bring the right clothes with us now so that we, you know, we're not freezing our butts off. Mm hmm when October shows up and I'm like, Oh, girlfriend, no, you're fine. Like we kind of really don't even experience winter. <laughs> like I totally upsold, um, warm weather in California downplayed because upsold yeah. means you got them to like, yeah, we have to, yeah, I downplayed winter, but in my defense, like we haven't had a winter, like a real winter in like years. So I was like, yeah, no, like we don't even wear like real, like thick coats until February. Like, you're fine. And I got the phone and Ian was like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> we get winter in December. Like, it's you You need to call her back and tell her to at least package, like, a light jacket. Like, you, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, whatever, dude. We've had Christmas days where I'm outside in shorts and flip-flops. Like, I'm not, not even going to be worried about it. Right. This has been the worst winter we've had in, like, 20 years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, Raquel. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay, similar vein. I got it. I got one for you. When I was going to Japan as an exchange student, uh, my grandmother was, you know, she's like, okay, step on the scale, weigh yourself. Now pick up your suitcase, step on the scale. She goes, you have packed over 50 pounds in that suitcase. We're not going to get hit with an overweight charge. Take stuff (laughs) out. Like there's only essentials in here. And she goes through my bag and she's like, you need to pull out like, and one of the things that she made me pull out was a, was a raincoat. 
I feel and like she's a raincoat like, is essential. I that's what okay, but anyhow, I was overweight, so she's like, pull out the raincoat. And that that one item is the only item I remember that she pulled out. And the reason why I remember it is I'm in Japan. We're seated around the breakfast table, like I've been there two weeks, right? And my host father says, We are expecting how you say typhoon. <laughs> and I was like, the raincoat. Damn the it, raincoat. <laughs> and meanwhile, grandma's like, Yeah, I also pulled out five sweaters, you know, three pairs of pants. You're like, I, I don't think that's really what I, I'm just making stuff up at this point. But I was just like, great. So I bought an extremely overpriced rain poncho from Disneyland because I was there when the storm hit and the sleeves only went to like three quarters length because my <laughs> arms are American size and not my, my hands and feet are Japanese size, but my, my arms and you know legs are not. Right. And I was just like, fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> Everything from mid forearm down is soaking wet, but I myself am covered. I would have called grandma immediately and been like, hey, ship me my raincoat. No, because it <laughs> takes long and you're not going to overnight a raincoat because then oh, you, might, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you still have two weeks. And by that time, it just no. Yeah. By that Typhoon's time, it's over. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> anyway, I would not have let grandma live it down. I would have been like, remember that time you sent me to Japan without my raincoat? Remember and that I time? needed it for the for the typhoon. Because you because you clearly didn't read the ten day forecast. <laughs> but like my host mom, we the house was on a hill and they had the best lightning storms. Oh, I bet. And it was I'm seated in a lawn chair on their front lawn, and my host mom looks out, and I've got my headphones and discman in my lap, and I'm sitting in my expensive rain poncho that only covers most of me, and <laughs> she's looking at this, going, she has an active energy source in her lap she's going to get struck by lightning and it's going to be on my watch get your butt in this house <laughs> i would have been like hold it up i want to see what happened i mean like <laughs> i was living my best life and she had to mom me back into the home oh for shame for exactly shame Nothing is worse than that. I can, I can tell you the amount of times we've had to mom Ethan back inside, like bud, 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 bud. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, do, do you value your life? Please come. Please. At come. this point, I have one job. It's just to keep you alive. Would you please let me do my one job? Okay. Every year on his birthday, on his birthday, he turns to me and says, "Congratulations, mom! You've kept this house plan alive for another year." <laughs> <laughs> Celebrate me. <laughs> you know like one of my good friends from like forever like I I met her when we were in third grade one of her sons does that to her when he was three he had stacked chair on chair on high chair and scaled oh, the the refrigerator yep and the bread was on top of the refrigerator and because she has like so many children the bread had been covered in the bread bag had been covered in jelly and it had adhered to the top of the fridge Mm -hmm. So she comes around the corner to see him like hanging from the bread bag that is stuck to the top of the fridge, <laughs> trying to remove it. And she's like, my own, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach the other children into being great humans. I'm trying to raise them into being pillars in the community. I'm just trying to keep that one alive. Like my goal for you is so much lower. I just need you breathing by 18. 
please continue existing. That is all I am hoping for. I just need a pulse from you. Like the rest <laughs> I want success for. You I just want breath for. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That that would uh, be success alone. Dude, um, Owen has, in reference to Joey, I think this is so cute and it made me laugh so hard when I figured out what it was. I am like, uh, as we know, not a morning person. And so getting ready for school in the morning is not my like forte. I try to be on top of it by doing things ahead of time before I go to bed. Yeah. But that doesn't always happen. (laughs) So a couple of mornings this week, Owen's been like, hey, it's okay. I'll just make my sandwich. I'll make my lunch for you. Like, I'm big. I can do it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I love this for us. This is awesome. You you make great PB&Js. Like, I'm here for this. Because up to this year, he's always wanted, like, really fancy sandwiches. And I've been happy to oblige that because I love um, bougie kids. This is the (laughs) same child that his idea of a breakfast taco is one inch cube squared cheese and hot sauce, right? Yes, same kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just making sure that I have the meal prepped for, you know, when you guys visit again. Yes, that's him. He is all, but don't forget the tortilla. He is all about it. Um, So twice this week, I've gone into the kitchen to use the kitchen scissors. They have four sets of them to use the kitchen scissors to open something and they were stuck shut. (laughs) And I'm like, what is wrong with my scissors? (laughs) So the first time I'm like, huh, whatever, maybe like they didn't get clean, like thoroughly cleaned in the dishwasher or something. Right, right. Right. So I just throw them back in the sink. The second time it happens, I realize there's jelly on the blades and Ian's standing in the kitchen with me. And he's like, what is that? And I was like, I know what this is. Coagulated blood. It's fine. Carry on. And he immediately goes to like, Ethan. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not Ethan. <laughs> mm, so <it's Owen. laughs> get Owen in here. Uh, but you have to whatever you're gonna say you have to do it nicely because he has been he this is like this because he's been helping me out in the morning and he's like what do you mean i was like he's made his own sandwiches this week and cut his sandwich up you know cut, yeah. cut it in half it's like whatever you do don't end this for me this is a good thing i yeah. hubs, don't do this right like don't make him feel bad which is at all not at all what he was trying to do but like I just wanted to put that out into the universe like Mm -hmm. I need this is helping me yeah I don't care that we have to wash the scissors again like it's fine and so he calls Owen and he goes hey have you been cutting your sandwiches up and he's like yeah and he's like bud and I like cheered him apart (laughs) right then (laughs) and Owen goes oh (laughs) And Ian goes, so what have you done with your scissors after you've made your sandwich? And he goes, um, uh, I put them back. Like I'm told to, I put them in the drawer. Where do they go? Solid logic. I'm here for it. I can really a hundred percent get behind somebody that's putting it back where he found it. Even if it's covered in jelly, <laughs> like, cause I'm going to find it later that day and it's going to get washed. Like it's right. you know, super and- fine. <laughs> And if they always put stuff back, most of the time, that's a good thing. Exactly. Like, I am not about to tell you you're wrong about this because I don't want you leaving the scissors on the counter. (laughs) Right. Perfect. It's fine. But now I'm laughing. Like, every time I go into the kitchen, what am I going to find with jelly stuck to it? Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's funny we're talking about jelly. Oh, I'm so excited. Because I've got a story about condiments. (laughs) is it tabasco sauce no okay but it's also not limit okay 
this story was recommended to me from somebody on TikTok, and I was not smart enough to write down their name. And so to the person who recommended the Northwest Butter Crimes, you are incredible. I need you to say that one more time. (laughs) The Northwest Butter Crimes. Is this is this um at all related to the the great theft of maple syrup from Canada or no, like no oh, okay so not breakfast no. crimes okay okay no 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 um it's I'm so excited. Uh, yeah <laughs> I mean it was one of those things where I was like okay wait what okay um hmm and it, it just it keeps kind of uh this is okay like I I get to use some terms that I never thought I'd use before. Okay, that's always exciting. And I, I, I learned got, some stuff. I got to learn more about the history of the Pacific Northwest that I hadn't otherwise known. You know, I was thinking when you said something to me the other day about um, I'm keeping my story in the in the Pacific Northwest. It reminded me of that comment of keep keep Portland weird. It's and not Portland. Like, no, I know. Uh, well, I don't know, but. Um, it made me think that perhaps all of the Pacific Northwest is a treasure trove of stories uh, because keep Portland weird is the motto of Portland. So. I mean, <laughs> it's it's different up here. I will say that. Okay. All built different. I honestly, because you think about like, okay, you think about Portland specifically, and it was founded really by lumberjacks who were fairly loners and, you know, moved up here and established roots. See, and you kind of like, it's just different people. Like you wear your best plaid when you go to see the ballet. That's Tuolumne County too. Fair, fair point. <laughs> we don't even have a ballet. Yeah. But I mean, like I went to the <laughs> Keller auditorium hubs took me to go see like Shen Young, Shen Yu, like the, the Chinese ballet that comes through. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, um, I'm not as cultured as I thought I was because I, I had a very tough time kind of sitting through that, but like, He's like, I've looked this up. When you go to the ballet, you wear a ball gown. He's like, here we go. Like, he didn't tell me where we were going. And we got there and he's dressed in a suit. I Ugh. have a coat and this gown on. And I see people in their best flannel. And I feel like a fish out of water. The most overdressed person in the room. Like, and there were people, others who were dressed up. But when you see, let's say just three flannel shirts, you suddenly feel very uncomfortable and the entire room is filled with flannel and you and you alone are the sucker. Dude, I identify with that so much. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've looked at Ian and been like, I am overdressed. Yeah. Like this, what do I do? Or um, one time um, we went to an event in a bar under an overpass in Stockton. And I could have worn flannel that day, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still, years later, like yeah. man, you're still chapping your cowboy boots and flannel that day, and I dressed to the nines. What was I thinking? I knew this was a bar under an overpass in Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any one of those things separate should have been a this is this is An jeans indicator? and a torn t-shirt. Listen, if you come in with pants on, you're winning, <laughs> right? I and I I that my brain was like oh I have this really cute flowy dress I haven't worn it yet oh my god I love this dress it's floor length it's maxi it's so and you flowy. walk in and your feet stick to the floor and I'm like I could have worn boots because mm-hmm. now my toes are out what am I yep. doing <laughs> yeah 
Okay. So yeah, I that, totally get this. I totally yeah. get where you're going with you. So hold on to all of those thoughts. I'm going to, I'm going to go off with my sources. There is an article called the creamery robbery turns deadly by Keith Shelton. <laughs> the Newport city marshal George Conniff is shot while interrupting a creamery burglary on September 14th, 1935 by Laura Arxey. I can't take this seriously. <laughs> it, it, okay. So it sounds like complete hijinks from, from just those, but I promise you, like, you're going to be like, it, it, you're, you're going to commit to this as, okay. as serious. Um, so I'm going to start at a weird place, but I will go back. Okay. So remember the crime was in 1935. Okay. Okay. Um, 1989. I was the, four. Yeah. Same. Yeah. The oldest active cold case investigation was solved. In in the Pacific Northwest or just as a whole in the U.S.? Period. Okay. Uh, but to explain how this happened in 89, I get to back all the way up to give you some background. Yay! Okay? Throw yeah. it in reverse. Yep. So here we go. Um, 1835, we're in the Depression. Wages are low or they're non-existent. The next sentence I wasn't prepared for. The price of butter was high and theft from creameries was fairly common. In the Great Depression? like In the Great Depression. Like, okay. And then you think about, it, you're like, oh, all of those depression recipes, it's like they used oil instead of butter. Like I, I was talking to my mother-in-law about this and she was like, well, yeah, my mother's favorite cookie recipe, which was incredible, had oil instead of butter and used molasses instead of sugar. She goes, or it was shortening instead of oil. So it was like, it was all shortening and molasses. Yeah. Okay. I bet you those actually would be really good cookies. Oh, they were incredibly good, but she's like, they all go straight. Just, you might as well just pack those cookies directly onto your hips kind of deal. Okay. Well, I can yeah, use some more hips. You're here for teeth rot and, and tummy bloat. Oh, well, I don't want teeth rot. I mean, we just got to brush. Only brush the teeth you want to keep. That's the rule. Oh, I like all of mine. Thank you. Okay. Well, then now you know what you've got to do. This It's on you now. Okay. So Crap. <laughs> one source said that the, the a week's worth of butter cost a person an entire day's wages. What is a week's worth of butter for the average person? Because I feel like I'm not the average person. I... You know, great question. I didn't do that research, but I imagine it's not as high as yours by making that statement. Yeah, I love butter. Butter goes on everything. My go-to feel like dish you're setting is the pasta curve. and butter. Okay. Yeah. Um, but either way, the average person and their average consumption cost them to work an entire day for a week's worth. And if you think about all the other things you got to buy, like food, cool. like other food, like actual edible food, housing. <laughs> You know, like there are like the ability to get to work, like that's, oh, gas? that's disproportionate. Ew. Mm, I don't like that. So when we think I about love butter, I know I would be convicted of butter theft. You would be doing the same thing. Okay. So put yourselves yeah. in these shoes because butter and other products are stolen from creameries and other businesses and then delivered to restaurants of dubious character or otherwise fenced. So uh, I need restaurants of dubious character. Is I, that like a restaurant wearing a trench coat in an alley? Offering <laughs> it is it, the hole in the wall had a much worse character. Oh, 
Okay. Oh, those are my favorite restaurants. The Greasy Spoon. <laughs> oh. You know, where you... So, like, it's like, I'm, I'm imagining an entire butter fencing ring, a butter laundering cartel. <laughs> Put me in charge. This sounds like something I can handle. <laughs> yeah, like, all of this, I was just like, okay, huh? All right. So... It's September. It's a September night in 1935, and Marshal George Conniff is performing his usual patrol, protecting homes and businesses in Newport and Newport, Washington. Because I, I was going to ask that. Again. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. New, there's a Newport on the East Coast too, as well, right? There's there's Newports. Ever, like basically, there's multiple Portlands. There's multiple Fresnos. Yeah. Like if I you don't know why you want multiple city, Fresnos. You have a Newport, but this Newport is like very inland, close to Idaho. Why is it called Newport then? Don't ask me. I didn't name it. I wasn't there at the time. There's also a hell Michigan. So let's not get hung up on names. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. And you, you know, I, I broke it down. I was like, there's a hell Michigan. So just deal with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm over here thinking about that town. And I think it's Sweden called fuck. <laughs> might not be Sweden. Might be, might be Norway. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know about it either way, but I will look it up from here on out. Um, so Newport is the county seat of Pend. I'm going to butcher the second one because I didn't look it up. O'Reilly County. Okay. All right. But either way, it's 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 next to Idaho because I did look that up. Um, George, the, the marshal, George Conniff, he is a family man. He's well-respected in the community. He had, he as he had been in nearby Sandpoint, Idaho. So, you know, like right up at the top where that, that point is. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, when he was in Sandpoint, he served as the chief of police. So he's career lawman. Conniff came upon three men crouched in an alley behind the Newport Creamery and demanded that they explain their presence. The only answer was a volley of gunfire from the fleeing men. And Yo, Con- these were men with pregnant wives at home. You, uh, hold that thought. <laughs> hold that thought. It's good that you have a, a theory about who did it. Uh, <laughs> Conniff fires back, but he sustained wounds from which he would die the next day at St. Luke's Hospital in Spokane. Mm. The burglars appeared to escape unharmed. Figures. Yeah. So, Penn O'Reilly Sheriff, Penn O'Reilly County uh, Sheriff Elmer Black immediately ordered roadblocks to get set up. Hold up. The sheriff's name is Elmer Black. Elmer Black. Sheriff Okay, Black. Dick Gorgeous. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they, those two compete. I feel like Dick Gorgeous is head and shoulders above, but it's still, you know, a good name. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so because again, this is a, a fellow law for shot law officer that's been shot. So he's immediately setting up roadblocks. And at one roadblock, there is a driver that is allowed to pass through on the north edge of Spokane. That driver is Spokane police detective. Clyde Ralston, who briefly, briskly waved his police identification at the rookie manning the roadblock and was allowed through. His passenger wasn't questioned at all. So I'm imagining he flashes his badge and says something to the rookie cop about just needing to get through and disappears. Like he's like, look, kid, I've been at this for a while. I'm going that way. And this is now why rookies have training officers. These are things. As so you do. <laughs> during the next few days, Sheriff Black interrogates a number of possible suspects, mostly men in the area with criminal records. 
And especially suspicious, what there was a truck that was stolen by nearby Priest River, Idaho, the night of the crime. And Spokane police detective Charles F. Sonnabend later finds abandoned in the Northern Pacific Depot. So he finds this truck and he's like, there's something fishy here. I feel like these might be connected. Anger I'm so and- sorry because I just, it just, rem- I just hit me right in the face that this is about butter. <laughs> and so like when you're like, and then there's an abandoned truck. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> it wasn't a small amount of butter is what I'm imagining. Like when <laughs> that's you- actual truckloads. That's what just hit me in the face. Carry on. Yep. <laughs> I am trying to maintain myself. I mean, it's just trying to think about measuring currency in today's butter. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, okay. So my favorite butter is like five or six bucks. Oh yeah. No, because I do the Kerrygold. Yeah. You said blocks. So you're getting the gold wrappers. Yeah. Yeah. No, you and I are both on the same page. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's, it's worth its weight in my opinion. So start measuring things and in, in currency uh we're going from the metric system to measuring things in butter well we went from metric to bacon to butter <laughs> for our next trick <laughs> for our next trick we'll be measuring things in the width of cupcakes mm, i'm here okay so anger and fear are running high in the newport area but sheriff black he's doing everything that he can do to head off vigilante action that he fears the spokane police they're conducting, I love this word, a desultory investigation. And then what they qu- is that? So it, they're just like, you know, we're kind of over it already. They are not here for it. They're kind of like, so somebody stole $15 million in butter. Who cares? You know, like the GDP of a small developing country in butter has been handed off and it's fine. Whatever. We didn't get the butter. We don't care about the butter. The butter is not ours. <laughs> Where did $15 million in butter come from? I don't know. I was just thinking about, you know, the, the fuzzy street math that always happens with drug busts. <laughs> kilos. It's kilos of butter. Kilos of butter. <laughs> 15 kilos of butter. <laughs> so they quickly hand the case back to the Penn Oriel County, the sheriff's department. And the f- forensics lab in Seattle determines the bullets from Conniff's body came from a 32 caliber revolver. Okay. That's about all they really know. But hold that thought because that that's going to become important eventually. Um, a major breakthrough happens with the arrest of several people connected to the creamery burglaries in Montana and elsewhere. Oh my God. So this so, is like multiple states are involved. Multiple states. Like this <laughs> is, like I said, a butter laundering cartel. So there is a task force for butter there's not a task because again, it was a desultory investigation. Like nobody's really giving this much effort. Like they're kind of like, they're kind of half-assing it the entire time. Desultory. Don't desultory. throw this word at me. <laughs> I'm going to every single time because these words are fantastic and I am bringing them back. <laughs> As they should be. I'm here for it. So you remember that detective that kind of flashed his badge at the young rookie cop and was like, just let me through. I don't need to be here. Like, I'm trying to go someplace. This truck's got Mm -hmm. places to be. So that dude was Ralston. And Ralston has a friend who has the best name, A.C. Logan. Okay, I love it. Yep. Um, A.C.'s thought to be operating this ring uh, out of Spokane and it's pilfering 
butter, ham, <laughs> and bacon from the creameries. <laughs> and they believe that these these were all fenced from a restaurant or fenced through a restaurant called Mother's Kitchen, which was coincidentally a favorite hangout for the Spokane police, the same people who did that desultory investigation. Mm, the plot Coincidence. Okay. The owner of Mother's Kitchen, Virgil Birch, employed a unusually large staff of waitresses, some of whom who could be counted on to provide more than just food service. Oh. So, so it's like a butter brothel? <laughs> Good. Daytime. I mean, it's a full service kitchen. Thanks for that. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I mean, butter brothel was pretty fantastic. So You should see the images in my brain right now. Please and thank you, no. No, Okay. I mean, look, I, I get that we all have our own bins. I'm not here to kink shame. I'm also not be here to be a part of them. Um, you're going to need to send Ian an apology card because he's going to have to hear about the images in my brain now. I'll I'll put money in his uh, Venmo for therapy. <laughs> $58 for the hour that you will need. <laughs> Here's to you that your therapy is that low. So I'm actually going to just go pay. <laughs> Yeah, just go um, pay, just go pay, yeah. So, however, uh, Detective Sonobin, he tries to follow up on the possible connection between the Newport burglary, the murder. His superior, Daniel Mangan, stops the investigation. <gasps> Was it an inside on... job? <laughs> Even Sheriff Black from Penn Riley County is never granted permission to speak with the suspect, A.C. Logan, at McNeil <gasps> Island Penitentiary. Oh, my goodness so not getting to speak to the suspect i that that should have that was a red flag that is the factory of red flags yeah um inside job yeah yeah so let's dive deeper into ac logan and, and clyde ralston and kind of explore that 20 years later 1955 the new penn o'reilly county sheriff William M. Giles is able to arrange a meeting between Detective Charles Sonnevin, the one who found the truck and is kind of like trying to bird dog this investigation. The f- and then the former sheriff, Elmer Black, and the United States Marshal, Daryl O. Holmes. They attend. And so they're talking to Sonnevin, this detective, and he makes this statement. During that time, back in 1835, there were a lot of creamery. 1935 robberies. or 1830. 1935. If I if okay. I misspoke, sorry. Um, I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> we, it was a long twice? depression. It was a long depression. <laughs> Mixed up okay. in this, there was a fellow who was sent to the federal penitentiary for interstate motor vehicle theft. After three weeks of questioning the suspect, AC Logan broke and admitted he was part of the creamery robberies. He also put the finger on one of the city detectives, Clyde Ralston, who owned a ranch a short distance from Spokane. According to Logan, there were several men connected with the ring, but the stolen butter was taken to Ralston Ranch and later disposed through Mother's Kitchen located on Riverside in Spokane. And I looked, it's no longer there. It's now a parking lot. Oh, um, that's so sad. Because I was like, okay, I'll go visit my sister. And on the way, I'll stop in Spokane and I'll sit in the butter ring itself. Um, um, yeah, but it I can't because it's gone. But Logan admits to breaking into a boxcar and stealing shoes, which were later taken to the Ralston Ranch for later disposal. 
Logan admitted to robbing a wholesale house in Spokane of cigarettes, cigars, and tobacco, which were also disposed of through Mother's Kitchen. Mother's Kitchen was the go-to, man. I mean, I can't imagine what it looked like in their back room. It had to look like a general store. You've got hams hanging from the ceiling. You've got a tobacco counter. Like, this is the weirdest yeah. diner. I'm just imagining, like, um, like me telling Ian, um, I need you to go give me some butter. And him being like, well, I got a guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Like, not just going to the local grocer and getting your butter from the butter counter, but you got you got a guy. And, and then he, hey, he brings home a ham while he's there. And honey, I got a great deal on cigars. I know we don't smoke, but they were super cheap. Yeah, we'll, we'll just look at them. For yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll offer them to barter for somebody else. Maybe they have some eggs. Maybe they have a butter connection when our guy runs out. You know, we just got to put these in the safe. Yeah, I'm... So, okay, there's more (laughs) going on with Sonovan's statement. He says, the night of the Conniff murder, the Spokane police constructed a blockade north of the city limits of Spokane. It's conducted by two rookie officers, and they told Sergeant Mangan, remember the guy who shuts down the investigation, that they stopped a car that was boiling and hot and appeared as though it had been driven very hard. Driving the car was Detective Ralston. He had another person with him. Ralston was very close to or had a very close friend ac logan logan was the only man of the gang who could go directly to the ralston ranch sergeant (laughs) mangan the guy who puts the kibosh on stuff he retires from the department in 1839 or nine i did it again 1939 mangan knows all about the murder and the affiliation of ralston and logan ralston is supposedly the ringleader the the detective ralston yeah the one who flashed his badge and said, just let me through the blockade, boys. Right. Figures. It's always that guy. It, it you, you know, we've seen enough movies. Yeah. At the time of the arrest of Logan, he was with his accomplice. Logan was with his accomplice and two women in a stolen car from Montana. Their car was searched as well as their hotel room. A 32 automatic and a 38 special were found in the room. The guns <sighs> were kept by the police department. The same gun was signed out by the Spokane Police Department by Ralston just before or just after the creamery robbery. Ralston reports it's stolen. It's later reported to have been thrown in the Spokane River. The gun that shot the police officer that dun, dun, came, dun. it was the detective in the hallway with the 32 and a handful of butter. That's always been missing from the clue game, and we just didn't know it till now. I think we're just going right, to wipe it all over the board. Make it slippery, you know? That Add another sounds, element. I hate all of it. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll so, you some money for your therapy. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to send it back and forth. <laughs> so it's at this point in all the reporting that they start referring to Sonobin in the third person. So it seems like, you know, the, the report shifts to being written by Giles, right? The, the current sheriff. After Logan made his confession to Sonobin or Detective Sonobin, all the reports went to the chief. Ralston was fired from the police force. Logan stated that Ralston was in on all the creamery robberies that he himself was involved in. So Log- AC Logan flips entirely. Like he just gives him wow. up. 
<laughs> as you do. Your name's AC, <laughs> not Strongbox. Yeah. <laughs> Sonobin believes that Ralston is the man who killed Conniff and that Sergeant Mangan knew all of this. He also believes that it was Logan who was with Ralston the night the car was stopped at the North <sighs> City limits by the two rookie officers. Like, dun, dun, dun. And you know the source for this? The rookie officer. Actually, no, I won't tell you the source yet. I'll tell you the source of like that, that whole quote in a, at the end. I realized okay. that, you know, because this is incredible. I'm imagining um, like posses of rifled men guarding the creameries at this point. <laughs> being paid I, in butter. I'll give you three days worth of butter if you man this for one day. Like That's what I'm imagining. It's kind of justice I'm here for. Butter justice. The butter bartering system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sheriff Giles, he's unable to track down any of the people that Sonobin mentions. And two years later, Sonobin's on his deathbed and he summons Giles to the hospital room and he confesses <laughs> that he's the officer who took the gun from AC Logan and later gave it to his own nephew. Oh, wait, so you're saying AC Logan committed the crime, not No, 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 no. No, no, uh, Sonobin... He he he's the one who signed the gun. He takes the gun from AC Logan, and then instead of like, oh. remember the gun goes missing, right? Right, right, right. Okay, sorry, I got my names. No, you're fine. There's tons of names. I tried to like streamline this, and I just I just couldn't. So I'm going to give you a map, and we're going to go through this. Like it'll be fine. <laughs> Family tree. Okay. We're going to get through it. Um, <laughs> he Sonobin insists that Sergeant Mangan knew everything. That the police officer who was fired. He's like, look, he knows okay. everything. And I keep thinking, like, none of these people are telling the, the truth the first round, the first round, you know? And that's yeah. like, it's, it kind of drives me crazy. So now we're going to, we're going to fast forward to the 80s. Okay. And it's, I during... love knowing I was alive for a portion of this. Oh, I mean, this <laughs> next part gets nuts, right? The sheriff of the Penn County, Oregon is a dude named Tony Bamonte. And he becomes increasingly dissatisfied with the lack of progress towards solving the cold case. And he reopens it. As this is going on, he's completing his master's degree at Gonzaga University. And he decides to focus on the past sheriffs of Penn, Oregon County or Oriel or O'Reilly. I'm going to name it something different every time I say it for his thesis. Okay. The research provided much of the background for reopening this case. So he just decides he's going to turn his thesis into basically a, a nonfiction detective story. Yeah. Uh, hey, whatever gets the job done. He's I knocking mean, two birds out with one stone here. Can you imagine being the thesis advisor? Like, this is a real-life detective novel and not some feminist critique of Shakespeare's all's well that ends well. And I'm dissing myself here. <laughs> Was that was that what, what your master's was on? No, no, my master's <laughs> was uh, you know an MBA. So I actually did female leadership or females in tech leadership and kind of that's discussed. what I thought. So yeah. just now, okay, when you're like, okay, look, I got but it. I I'm wrote like, wait, so wait, many papers. Shakespeare was involved. <laughs> no, I wrote so many papers. You know, identifying like feminist critiques on Shakespeare's plays and things like that. Like that was my undergrad, right? Like, so I'm looking okay. at this like this kicks the pants off of anything. It's much more exciting and it's applicable to work. 
Yeah, Can you I get mean, any better? That's why I said he's killing two birds with one stone. I'm I'm here for it. And yeah. so he reaches out, but when Bamonte contacts the Spokane Police Department on March 2nd, 1989, and he tells him his suspicions of Ralston and the others should cover for him. And he gets a belated reply, meaning they don't even respond right away. And they respond with, find no employment records of any of the people or officers. And most of the principals that are involved are dead anyhow. So somebody scrubbed the records. Not only did somebody scrub the records, but it's also a report of tons of people not wanting to do their job. Like, look, I couldn't find it immediately. I looked for about three The original investigation was, quote unquote, desultory. But I, too, am from this same stock years later. And I'm looking around going, yeah, I kind of can't be bothered to do my job either. So this really ties into my former story about the missing crown jewels. Quite. Yeah. 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 It's just, (laughs) it's a ton of people not wanting to do their job. Like I hate experiencing that, but I am here to read it. Oh, absolutely. Because it creates the most delightful blunders. (laughs) Because you, you look at it, you're like, yep. Yeah. No, this is, this is when Nathaniel couldn't be bothered to give me that report. And it caused this entire chain of reactions. And now I'm stuck on the end of it. Because you had one job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nathaniel's name may or may not have been changed in efforts of retelling that story. <laughs> Sorry, Nathaniel. <laughs> I'm not. However. I don't know him, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say his last name. Um, however, as news of Bamonte's effort spread, people with information finally begin to come forward, just as Sonobin had done on his deathbed. A frail 86-year-old Dan Mangan was one. Mangan, who puts the kibosh on the investigation. Mangan recalls, I knew Ralston fairly good. I knew he was into something. I didn't know what. I heard he was involved in the creamery burglaries and what he was peddling. I never had much contact with Ralston, but he never, or, but he hung around with some shady characters. He was always mixed up with some dairy business in the cafe. As in... The cafe. Mother, mothers. Yeah, okay. And remind I mean, you, like, everyone's, all the police are hanging out at mother's mother's kitchen. Right, like, this, this was the place. That's where you hung out after your shift. Well, what better place to wander than right in front of the police? I mean, with other police. And yeah, you go you're... there because it's like, they're going to feed you. They've got waitresses that will entertain you in a myriad of ways. <laughs> Get some pancake, pick up some cigars on your way home. Like, this doesn't sound like a bad place to hang out if you're with all your work buddies. Yeah. It's like those um, all-in-one truck stops. Right. There's like a dentist in there and a barbershop. And you get a shower and a Cinnabon. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, so Mangan, he also goes to state that the Spokane chief of police called him and his partner into the office and gave us this package. His partner, Harrison Hacker Cox. Oh, that's a name. Hacker is your nickname. And one of the sources (laughs) claimed that Hacker's nickname came from the fact that he would just belt people in the face. They said they would hack, like he would hack at them, like like suspects. Okay. Not not as in like, you know, modern day hackers where you, you know, crack the database and 
now you understand right, right, right. all of the trade secrets. Okay, not that. Um, they come out and set in the police chief says that this is Ralston's package. I knew about the murder. I thought this might have been the murder weapon, and it's been on my mind ever since. Hey, take this package. And it's right after the murder. Like, like I'm just sitting here like, oh dear Lord. So Mangan's partner, Bill Parsons, they he drives the car and watches as Mangan throws this package into the Spokane River from the Post Street Bridge. And so it's like, you're a cop. You know that this crime has just happened. You know that another law officer has been murdered. And your police chief gives you this package that strangely feels like the weight of a gun. You know what a gun is. You handle a gun every day and you're told to dispose of it. And you you don't invent, you don't open it. You just blindly follow. Okay. So two, two things. Um, if you're just following orders, air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. And you never open the package. You can't technically be implicated in any of the crimes. Right. Um, but once you open the package and you've seen what it is, you are now obligated to do something about it. Okay. Is there a internal affairs bureau at this time that you could have reported that to? I mean, obviously you would have been called a snitch at that point and probably been thrown off, but that's if, how justice works. If the police chief, another office, like if, if it's another officer and the police chief's not involved, I feel like you've got a pretty decent shot. But as soon as your boss is talking about and hands you something that is likely from another police officer, I feel like the corruption is too far gone at that point. I don't know yeah. if internal affairs is there, but I feel like the apple is too far rotted. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So at least somebody does something right, because Mangan's partner contacts the FBI two days later. Oh, good. They advise him to keep quiet. Because they're also visiting mothers. They have their own butter, butter laundering ring, and they I have no <laughs> idea. That, that'll be next week's story. Um, <laughs> so another important piece of information comes in on April 1989 from a woman named Pearl, and her last name is K-E-O-G-H. So Kyo? Kyo? Um, okay. I'm assuming the GH is, is the G is silent, like, and through. So Q, um, okay, an 85 yeah. year old woman, she's 85, but she had known Ralston, Mangan and Virgil Birch who owned mother's restaurant. She was, I'm thinking she's likely a member of the, the wait staff. Um, she tells Bamonte that she'd gone to the police with evidence early in the investigation had been told to mind her own business. Oh. This, this checks, this checks, this seems par for the course. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Pearl Cow collaborates with Bamonte on what he'd already learned and added to the information implicating Virgil Birch. At dinner at her house in 1940, Birch had bragged about being with Ralston when he shot Conniff. And that he was oh. under a tarp in the back seat of the getaway car that was allowed to pass through the North Spokane roadblock. The body was no, in no, no. the no Virgil Birch, the owner of of Mothers, oh, was hiding okay. under a tarp. They they okay. left they left the body at the scene. Right. Well, that's what I was like. Yeah, Wait because a he had to get thought... to the hospital. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. Now he had that. Like, yeah. Um, she'd also said that she'd 
handled butter with Newport Creamery wrappers on it at Mother's Restaurant. And years later, when she moved into a house that was once owned by a birch, she found Newport Creamery wrappers stashed away in a closet. Because you can't just throw those in the regular garbage because laundering. I mean, I'm just imagining an entire closet filled hoarder style with butter wrappers. And I'm assuming they're not the clear butter wrappers of like the ones you get from just the grocery store, like the medium, like this is the store-bought brand. I'm assuming this; these are gold, carry gold wrapper style wrappers. Yeah. I mean, I it's, too. it's not like you're going to recycle them. I mean, I know it's the depression, but you're not going to like wrap your Christmas presents in butter. Why wouldn't papers? you burn them? I wonder, I wonder if there was like a wax seal on it, like a waxy. Um... I mean... We joke about some of the people in, in more rural towns in, in our area kind of burning their tires in their front yard. And I can only imagine like burning was probably much more prevalent. But yeah, I yeah. don't know why you didn't get rid of evidence specifically when you're a cop. Yeah, like that is a very real question. I have I have follow up questions. These are all good things. But uh, Mrs. Mrs. Cow's, Kao's husband had apparently been a friend of Ralston's and had sworn her to secrecy on the matter. And after he died, she phones Bamonte with the information that Ralston once boasted about in her presence about shooting Connor. So she like, again, all of this goes all the way to the top. Everybody knows everything and everybody knows everybody's business and everybody is told to so This is the exact quiet. opposite of, of if more than two people know the secret, somebody's got to go. Like this is, you know what? We're just going to tell everybody. <laughs> But they're waiting for people to die. They're waiting for the end of their lives to all come forward. And it's all because this guy's writing his thesis. Hey, whatever works. Okay, so back to this man writing his thesis, right? So in August, the Washington Water Power Company that uses the controlled flow of the Spokane River orders an inspection drawdown. So August 22nd of 18, August 22nd of 1989, this rare event of, you know, kind of letting the water levels low enables Bamonte to walk around the dry riverbed. And within 10 minutes, Bamonte finds the corroded gun exactly where Mangan said that he dropped it. Oh, the Washington. The, yes. Washington Crime Laboratory in Seattle confirms it's the 20, the 32 caliber revolver that is the same weapon used in the murder of Conniff. And that the deterioration mm. of the metal is consistent with having been in the water for over 50 years. So that is, okay. I'm just thinking of how water works and how crazy it is that it sat in the same place for 50 years. Like, obviously it's heavy, yeah. right? But like that long, it sat there that long. But I mean, he only had to look 10 minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So January 23rd of 1990, Clyde Ralston dies at oh. St. Ignace, Montana, a free man, popular in his community. Of now course. He'd, he'd left Spokane in 37, continuing a new life in law enforcement, apparently without scandal, without a hint of scandal. And so Tony he's like Bamonte, the perfect upstanding citizen. Yeah. And so but Tony Bamonte visits this community and is vilified in St. Ignatius for supposedly having hounded a harmless old man to his death oh he's like i'm just trying to write my paper everybody's saying that you're the dude can you just say that you're the dude i'm trying to wrap this up i'd love <laughs> to graduate graduation's coming up soon i've got to get this next chapter submitted to the thesis about would you work with me and he just 
does the unthinkable, it, you know, declines everything and dies. And everyone goes, what a <laughs> jerk. Uh, well, you know. Rude. <laughs> yeah. 1992, uh, the New York Times publishes, or in 1992, Thomas Egan of the New York Times publishes his bestseller, seller, Breaking Boo. I cannot talk. Breaking Blue, based on this story. Okay. Tony Bamonte donated the murder weapon and his collection of documentary evidence to the Northwest Museum of Arts and Culture. So you're saying we could take a trip of museums and visit the murder weapon and within like a couple of days visit Santa Ana's leg? Yeah, we could. That's awesome. And it's it's <laughs> nuts because you think about it, it's like, Tony Bamonte, he was really just trying to finish, you know, his work. He was just trying to get this cold case solved and get his thesis done. And as a result of this, he's now a respected historian and publisher in Spokane. I love this for him. Right? And it's all because he was just trying to get some work done. And it feels like he might have been the only person in the history of that department to feel like that needed to happen. Well, I mean, because everybody else was getting kickbacks from mothers. Look, man, <laughs> I've got a, a good couple pats of butter coming to me. If I just keep my mouth shut, I'm yeah, I'm like gonna free say butter for life. No um, comment. And Mr. B- Bustamante, is that Bamonte? Bamonte. Bustamante Mr. was Mr. the president of Mexico for a hot minute. <laughs> right, right. It's like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, our guy is the only one that is living outside of those times also right so he can like just go to the store and buy butter yeah he's like look butter's affordable now um we we, i don't need to wave a couple butter wrappers under your nose to get you to follow me (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my god but it was this whole thing i was just like this is about butter from the beginning from like like butter butter like literally you could substitute oil or shortening or but it's like we're going to kill people for butter for butter for butter or for worse hey you know (laughs) that's what this episode is going to be called butter (laughs) or for worse (laughs) i've chosen the name that's what it is um i'm just thinking like how many of these men had pregnant wives at home that like I need my chocolate chip cookies with butter right now. Or in my case, while I'm not pregnant, um, sometimes you just have to have pasta and butter. And Ian makes it best. So how many of them were just desperate, you know? Mother's has butter. I guess I'll be part of this butter laundering ring. Maybe butter was made differently. Maybe it all had cocaine in it and they all just were addicted to butter. I mean, that checks, right? Like cocaine was there it wasn't i mean it's it's not it's not like the 1800s right so maybe maybe we're going too far back by just you know adding a little bit of oh yeah like using cocaine as your medicine for everything right you know having having a a container that just sits on the counter i mean that was obviously (laughs) at the pharmacy it wasn't at the (laughs) not in your your common pantry next to the flower um Last night, I poured Parmesan cheese on the stove on accident. And the first thing that came to my mind was, this is the devil's cheese. (laughs) (laughs) For all the names that cocaine has, that was what came to my mind. I'm like, I have to figure out how to clean this up now. (laughs) 
just it made me laugh for I love better it. or for worse oh god yeah oh did any did anybody serve any time in the end for this or they like all died and, I mean, and nobody. nobody got... Yeah, it. No, they were all like, I can't. I can't find any anything about today. Breaking news: So and so was arrested for fifty-year-old butter laundering schemes and crimes. <laughs> you know, you know how you hear about because I'm sure there's a statute of limitation. <laughs> but I mean, it I ended with like... murder. Like, I feel like murder. Does murder? I don't think murder has a statute. Does it? Um, I'm gonna have to Google that. I don't. I don't know because I know like Nazi war criminals can still be tried today in their 90s and early 100s. Right. But those are war crimes and those don't have a statute. I don't know if murder does. But you know, like I feel like a lot of that they got them on piracy charges. Like that's how it started. Yeah. Which is a weird one because it's like they were looking at international laws and it's like you moved people from here to here that can constitute like i feel like that's that was the nuance and, and now that i say that i i feel like i'm talking out of my butt and i got people angry at me and i should probably not say it with such conviction you know we weren't there so we're we're looking at it through a, a rear view mirror anyway right yeah no but it looks like the only person who really served any time was ac logan but he was in the pen and not for that he was just kind of there yeah hmm I want to know, <laughs> I would love to hear some of the stories of the, the working, the waitresses, the, the wait staff there. Like, cause you know, you hear all these, like you have all these stories of other brothels and other places where these women have these just crazy lives that their story is so worth telling. But like, <laughs> so my grandma was a waitress for a guy who laundered butter. crazy yeah Yeah. like i want to hear grandma's stories i want to be in the room when the police were all seated together and concocting this butter laundering scheme oh my yeah that's way better than being in the room when sharknado was decided to become a film right like i want to be like you know what what chaps my hide the cost of butter (laughs) you know what we should do we should we should break it. You know we we've got lock picking kits. We 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 know how to do it. You're right, Ralston. Why don't you leave? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna steal a truck. Oh, a truck. we can fit yeah. a lot of butter in a truck. I bet three of us could pack this truck to the brim. But how would we'd need a place to get rid of it? Pawn shops, no. Like pawn shops are not a good place for butter. You're right. You know what? These pancakes are Burn really it. I got good. an idea. Virgil, come over <laughs> here. Virgil, sorry, I got Virgil, my name wrong. Have a seat. How do you idea. like paying for all of this butter from Newport Cream? You don't. Boy, have, have we, we an got idea. a deal? <laughs> so my buddy's gonna back up a truckload of butter. And I know you like that thick-cut Canadian bacon, so we're going to pilfer some hams while we're there. <laughs> Could you imagine being in that stockroom that day when the hams arrived, but they weren't on like the master list of things that were supposed to come into shop? The packing and like, list, and you're like, yeah, the oh, hell am I going to do with all these? <laughs> look, I'm just the stock goblin. I don't have room for 50 hams and five truckloads of butter (laughs) 
that guy quit his job. I'm moving the flower <laughs> into the hallway and the break room and the employee bathroom. And I don't want to hear a thing because I've got to put the butter in the walk in. <laughs> that That's the day you quit. Like I'm done. I'm out. Peace. Bye. There's no you don't quit because it's the depression. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, I guess, yeah, you, job's you're a job stuck. I guess you move back in with mom. Yeah, you're either well, like you already, probably already did. Now that I think about it, everybody lived in your one bedroom. Yeah. Ugh. You know, what makes me laugh. Totally. I get. Well, maybe this isn't funny, but I chuckle about it anyway. My grandmothers both lived through the Great Depression, right? That's typically how um, we got here. Is somebody in our lines lived through it? Right. Um, I specifically my mother's mother. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that they really suffered like the rest of the populace. Were they the head of the the money the the butter laundering? <laughs> uh no not that i'm aware of um but my grandmother had an, like a, a crazy like this the stuff i learned about her i never got to meet her so the but the stories i've heard she was a very interesting woman um but i'm just thinking like i don't think that that her family particularly dealt with any of the real problems of the depression however that being said my mother still washes the ziploc bags and saves them mm. I'm like, mom, you weren't even alive. <laughs> you know, like that said, I, I will say my family, my, the, my nuclear, the one I am currently a part of my household, um, we wash our Ziploc bags, but that is because we're a part of the granola eating hippies that like buy the nice thick silicon bags that are reusable. So same, we do the same thing. And so I laugh every night when I'm washing out our sandwich bags because they're reusable sandwich bags. Yeah. Um, not because we are depression-era children, but because um, we really don't need to be throwing away our sandwich bags. It's like we use them for the same thing every day. Like, we can just clean them out. Yep. Um, so it makes me laugh because, like, here we've come full circle. Like, our ancestors would be like, oh, good, you're washing the bags. <laughs> yeah, you're not as wasteful as the chumps before. That bag costs three cents. That's that's a meal's worth of butter. <laughs> right. I, it just it it makes me laugh knowing that she does she does stuff like and when you ask her about it she's like well, yeah I learned it from my mother. Like, but- there was okay so you say that and there was a and when I was in my intro to psych class in college they were talking about how certain things are handed down and we don't necessarily question them like right one person said like the example in the textbook was I cut the end off my roast because my mother did. Yes, I read this. The quote from the grandmother was, I cut the end off my roast because my oven's too small to fit the entire thing in. And but we've been doing it this way for generations now, like like four generations yeah. of but, and yeah. it's like it the the original reason behind it gets lost, but you do the the thing that was originally made sense, but now it doesn't make sense because the oven is so much larger and now you could fit an entire turkey in there, but it's like you do what you had to do at the time. Right. And then, and then you just continue like, yeah, I think about, I think about that all the time. Like, what are my children going to do that is irrelevant in their life 
but that they learn from us. And I, I genuinely believe that this will be it. My, my oven does not fit a full size cookie sheet. It is only 28 inches wide. Having been in your kitchen, I never noticed. Neither did we till we tried to put a full-size cookie sheet in there. <laughs> I would be pissed. That is the worst time to figure that out. Uh-huh. And so um, me being a baker, this is a real problem for me. Right. And I have wanted to buy a diff- like a whole new house since discovering this because the oven doesn't fit. And in order to put an oven in that space that fits, we might as well just remodel the entire kitchen because you have to cut so much space out of the counters and the yeah. cupboards to do it. And you have so, a galley kitchen. You don't have like. Right. So these are like things we've talked about, dif- different like solutions for this. But anyway, one of the things that Ian has done for me in a, to have the ability to put like a full 12 muffin tin in there is all, of, he buys all of my muffin tins and then goes out into the garage and bends the corners up. So they have handles Aww. so the thing can slide into the thing. So my children are just like, oh yeah, that's what you do with cookie sheets. <laughs> you just you just bend up the outsides. Yeah, they that's no they yeah, that's that's just what you do. And I We've think we've got special myself, pliers that bend cookie sheets. Yeah. I think to myself, that's gonna be the thing that they remember and but but forget the reason why. But like generations from now, their kids' kids are still gonna be bending the rolls of the, <laughs> the edges of the cookie <laughs> sheets. <laughs> And then somebody's going to be like, why do we do this? And then eventually it's going to be like, oh, our great granddad did it for, for his wife. because For his the, crazy, his crazy wife, Angie, great grandma, Angie. The, the right, right. You remember her? Right. Um, so she could, she could put all 12 of the cupcakes in one cup. <laughs> I got a depression era story from my family. Okay. Hit me. Okay. So at one point I was going through my grandmother's jewelry box. This was years and years ago. And I found this really incredibly bizarre and crazy necklace. And I was like, what the hell am I looking at? <laughs> so like, like, a, like... She... oh, I can't, I have to, exp- like, I can't even tell you what it looked like right now, but I have to go through the full story so that you're able to picture it because it's just, it's so bizarre. There were no words. And she okay. goes, that was made by your crazy great aunt Mildred. And I was <laughs> like, what, what? And Wait, she what? goes, story of great aunt Mildred. Apparently, Having lived through the depression and being from my grandfather's side of the family, which was very huge, you know, large family, um, they did a lot of things to save money, a lot of handicrafts for for things. And so when my grandmother joined the family, the gift that she got from Great Aunt Mildred was this this necklace. And Great Aunt Mildred had been saving the neck bones of chickens. <gasps> and then she took the each individual like each individual vertebrae and she painted it with red nail polish like several coats because this was completely solid it's very well done and then she interwove each vertebrae with a fake pearl i i love this it was i mean i please tell me this is in a shadow box somewhere now no no i don't i think it got thrown out like i don't think that that was even passed on but it is the it was the most insane thing to see I bet. And my grandmother was like, I felt bad because she obviously spent so much time on it. It was a long necklace. It went down. Like, you know, we're talking mid chest. There was a ton of neck bones that went into this. And, you know, each one had to be like saved and the 
carcass boiled away and meticulously picked apart and then individually painted Integrated and turned and you paint the other like, side. I know who's going to get this neckbone necklace. It's a it, necklace of neckbones. Yeah, this, this goes to the new bride of Rick, Francine. I love this. I mean, trust me, telling the story is so much better than having to look at the thing. <laughs> Pictures or it never existed. <laughs> I mean, so there is that. And so with that, I'll never be able to prove that it existed other than who would make up something that insane. Yeah, that's truly one of those things. You can't write that crap like that. That had to happen. Right. Somebody somewhere did something similar or that exactly, you know. What were Great Aunt Mildred's spiritual beliefs? I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> could you imagine if she had access to Pinterest, the kind of crap we'd all... <laughs> I'm here for it. Tell her I'm adoptable. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly she has an Etsy, an Etsy shop with 40,000 <laughs> sales, five-star <laughs> reviews, and everyone's like, this white elephant gift nailed it. Amazing. Also, she has an inn with a buttery... And um, chickens. It's weird. Like, she has to buy so many chickens. Mm -hmm. She could upsettle, or excuse me, unsettle the entire chicken economy. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, she, she is the Mansa Musa of her time. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Please tell your granite Mildred, I love her. <laughs> I'll be sure to mention that. Um, <laughs> on that note, I'm going to call this episode. I feel like Come that's on. that's what I do. I get tired of sitting down and I say that I'm done now. I'm through okay. with you. You may leave. <laughs> you're, ex you're excused. You're dismissed. Carry yeah. on then. Well, that works because I have to drop Ethan off in 20 minutes. That's fair. But if you've enjoyed hanging out with us, know that it's same, same, same Z's. Um, do, do so regularly. And you might do so by uh, hitting that subscribe button on this podcast so that you automatically get alerted to whenever we do something new and fun. Uh, we plan on dropping episodes every Friday. So uh, subscribe, review, share with your friends, force them to listen to this too, so that they wonder if you need to be checked into a psych ward. And before, <laughs> during, or after your admission, please message us. We'd love to hear from you. At from the psych ward. Yes. <laughs> unhinged.historypod at gmail.com and on that note goodbye bye bye